Welcome to the championship episode of Sports Matters. I'm Kevin Drake, and uh, along with Matt Burtz. Good, good morning. morning, everyone. How you doing? Good, good. How you doing, Matt? I know. I'm sure you were up late last night. What? You know, enjoying the festivities? Yeah, just a bit, just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> the Golden State Warriors obviously won the championship last night. They weren't going to be denied again. That wasn't going to happen in Game 5 like it did last year. And they had the X factor of Mr. Kevin Durant, the ice man in the fourth quarter, yeah. just ice in that game. Yeah, I mean, I knew it would go five. I knew it would go five. You called it. You called it. You you called it right here, KUCI and Irvine. Matt did say that, Warriors and five. Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of saw it come in. I don't know. But it, it was a great series by far, the best that the Warriors have played. Um, I mean, you you look at what they did, and fifteen and one is very admirable. Sixteen and one, my 16, friend. Sixteen, my bad. I was yes. thinking about it. yeah, going into the game. Yes, sixteen and one. The brain's not really on yet. I need some coffee. But, <laughs> uh, sixteen and one. That's pretty admirable. I mean, I didn't think that they were going to sweep. You know, the entire playoffs. It's, that is, that's a task in itself. But it shows you how good the Warriors really are. The fact that they were able to win fifteen straight. Extremely games. good team. I mean, in the the series itself, the first two games kind of went how you, you expected it to, and then you, Cleveland kind of started to figure out the Warriors, and then you saw them play a little bit differently in Game Three, and uh, they they at the end they just couldn't make a shot, they couldn't buy one, um, and that's kind of how it went down. And then in Game Four, they start out shooting the first quarter shooting two, 22 free throws, which, you know, 22 free throws, that's like an entire game's worth in my opinion, but I'm not here to be critical of that. Um, but in the end, they had a historical night of shooting. I mean, 24 three-pointers, I think it was in game three, and, the, you know, the percentage was uh, right at darn near, you know, 60%. And to that's, do that on the road. To do that. No, 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 they did at home. I'm talking game about three. Game, game three. Game three was in Cleveland. Right, Cleveland did. Oh, you're talking, I'm okay. talking about game four now. Okay. I was moving on. <laughs> moving on up. Talk about who needs coffee. I yeah. think I need a little shot. We both do. Where's the espresso machine? <laughs> Tom. Um, but uh, I think, you know, game four, a historic night of shooting for the Cavs. That's kind of how it went. I mean, Kyrie Irving, unbelievable. Seven for 12. Kevin Love was unstoppable. And then in game five, Kevin Love was nowhere to be found with six points. I mean, he got in foul He struggled. Trouble. He struggled. He definitely got in a lot of foul trouble early. They were picking rolling to him. They wanted the isolation matchup with Kevin Love, and it makes sense because, you know. Make him play defense. Make him play defense. They need to keep him more towards the basket. And, and you know, with the Warriors having four people on the floor, it's tough to guard. And you it, and you have to guard all four. Of their, if Draymond Green is hitting threes, it's t- they're so tough to Card. Yeah, let's talk about the defense because the Warriors, when they put their deadly five in there, when I say the deadly five, obviously Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and Andre Iguodala. Well, you got those five in there. I mean, they're long, they're athletic, and they can pretty much switch off and guard anybody. And you know, when you had the, when they had that lineup in, they're also the the potent offense as well. You know, because they can all shoot three pointers, they can all take it to the basket. I, this defense, this Warriors defense, so where you're trying to defend a powerful player like LeBron James, yeah, he's going to get his. Yeah. Kyrie, he's going to get his. But you pick the one X factor that the Cleveland needed to score, 
and that was Kevin Love. And I isolated him like, okay, we're going to make this guy play defense, and we're yeah. going to, like, contain the role players. And that's exactly what they did. And that defense is deadly because they're long, they're quick, and you saw it last night. Yeah, and I think if Kevin Love doesn't get foul trouble early in the game, which they, they I think that was their point of emphasis, um, if he doesn't, he probably puts up more points. And, you know, J.R. Smith with the night that he had, and I, I always knew him coming in. He was the X factor, and he definitely carried the team towards the end um, with his three-point shooting. And in game four, too, he was a, did an unbelievable job in back-to-back games, and he's one of those guys that can ride a hot hand better than anyone else. He's like a microwave. When you turn him on, he, he'll keep stay hot for a while. Um, and we saw it in last year's finals. He was the X factor. You know, that was the reason, in my opinion. I mean, other than the fact that LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, they're going to do theirs, but you need the guys around you to step up right. and do stuff. You can't have two guys score the entire game. It's just not physically possible, and you have to have the guys around you. And that's why J.R. Smith, you know, he started to heat up in the first three games of the series. He was not he was not there. And even in the first four games in the f- last year's series, he was not entirely there. And then you look at his his numbers after and he went off and he had an unbelievable job. So I always I always liked him. I mean, I know he's a little bit of a kind of a, a crazy guy. Um, you know, but you, you kinda need that on a team. And in him he grew up a lot after you know his daughter has health issues and he grew up a lot from then um and and it's really an admirable thing because he he was kind of you know he he struggled with his emotions at times and that was the big thing about him and then you know i've seen it definitely a resurgence of his maturity it's tough it's tough when you're battling with the emotions you know uh because when you're just focused on playing basketball i mean when he's completely focused Man, the guy's deadly. Yeah, you know, he, he gets hot. He's like a streaky shooter. And when he's on, watch out. Because he, he'll, he, I mean, you saw at the end of the half. I mean, he shot that one from like 29 feet from the basket. Nothing but net. You know? I know. I mean, he was on yesterday. I mean, it was a great game. And you think about it, it was kind of semi-close game. I mean, 129 to 120. You think you score 120 points, you win the game. But if you know the old saying, the Clippers announcer, Ralph Lawler, he always had this saying, First team to 100 wins. That's the law. It was Lawler's law. And we used to joke about back, you know, when the Pistons and uh, Pacers would get into it, they were such a low-scoring team. We were like, ah, first to 70 would win that one. But in this case, with these two teams, it's the first team to 130 would be the winner. Yeah. You know, it's just a a more of a high-scoring affair, so it's really exciting to watch. I mean, I truly enjoyed that game last night. I mean, I'm not a fan of either team. But it's kind of cool to see the West Coast team win. I am a West Coast guy now. Well, obviously, Laker fan first. But, you know, it's cool to see the championship back on the West side. I mean, I've rooted for the Warriors in... And this is a true Warrior fan, ladies and gentlemen. He is a true Warriors fan. He's not a Warriors fan from 2014. He's been a Warriors fan since he was born. Yes, I came out, and I was a Warriors fan. My mom laughs about that comment. Um, But it's definitely true. I've always rooted for the Warriors. I mean, in 2009, when Steph tweeted, we're going to get this right, we're going to be better, don't worry, Warriors fans, 
and I believed him and, and it took you know the the first step that the Warriors did was to get rid of their best isolation player in Monte Ellis they shipped him out they sent him to the Dallas Mavericks I believe it was and they brought in Andrew Bogut and that was the first that was when they said all right we're committed to winning and then you know they had an unbelievable draft after that and you know Joe Lacob gets booed and that and that ever since that moment the tides have turned, I mean, yes. for this team. And you look at what has kind of happened, the culture that was surrounded by it. It was it was very Steph Curry-led culture. And, and it's very, you know, when you're an unselfish player, which, which he is, I mean, a 10 assist in the game. Like, he, I mean, obviously we have LeBron James with his triple doubles and he did an amazing job. But Steph did a great job of stuffing the rest of the stat sheet, the stat sheet, um, I mean, 10 assists. He had six rebounds last night. He had a triple-double in a couple of the games. And he's just an unbelievable basketball player. And the way that the, they they beat him was by playing physical off the ball. And then the first two games, they didn't do that. Game three, they started playing more of that, but they still ended up – they kind of I, – I, the Cavs lost that game. Yes. I don't think the, – the Warriors, obviously, they got hot towards the end, and, and you can't – can't give up empty possessions with this Warriors team. Kevin Durant comes down. They're going to keep attacking. Jump stop, three-pointer, game three is over. But that was your X factor was, obviously, I said this once before, was Kevin Durant because he had just ice in his veins. Every time Cleveland went on a run yesterday, Kevin Durant just, boom, three-pointer or slice in for a layup. I mean, he just was not going to let the Warriors lose. He was doing everything you know in his power to make sure the Warriors would win the championship. And that's that kind of helped them, you know, get back to where they were two years ago, the yeah, champions. And I think that's exactly why he left Oklahoma City. I mean, there's there's some other, you know, I think there's a few other things that I would attribute it to as well. Um, he played eight seasons there. He played eight seasons yes. there, you're right. Yeah. And, you know, I think the style of basketball that they play, it was very isolation basketball. It's, you got it. You got to do your thing. And then you have Russell Westbrook. I mean, his numbers were not as good with Kevin Durant on the floor, right? So, I mean, they need to build a different kind of team because these are two kind of players that, that have very similar kind of – I mean, not very similar in the sense of the style of play, like, but they have very similar mentalities. Um, they both want to be the guy, and you can't have two guys that want to be the guy. You have to have a whole team of people that wants to be the guy. They, they all were were selfless. You look at the Warriors, too, how they moved the ball on offense. It was just so crisp and clear, especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, Cleveland was moving the ball a little bit, but you saw there was a lot of dribbling going on between you know Kyrie and LeBron. LeBron really, you know, obviously he's shorter than the team. He's trying to carry the team to victory, and I get that. He's a great, great player. But you look at the Warriors, how they're moving the ball around. I mean, everybody touches the ball. There's there's one point where Steph threw that no-look pass to hit uh, Iguodala right there for the dunk. And, again, there was a, a play previous where Clay hit uh, Durant for a, a, a dunk. Yeah. You know, right under the basket. I mean, they're just moving the ball around. I, and, you know. And Steve Kerr always they, preached that. Move the ball. Move the ball. And, and, and also the transition game happen. was great for them. The transition game was amazing for the Warriors that game. I mean. Um, if you get a team running, they're going to get tired, and especially like a team like Cleveland, you know, they run it up and down the court. They they are not like they like to throw the long home run balls. 
um, to LeBron and have Kevin Love throw those passes, and they really took that away from them, and that, that forces you to exert more energy on offense, and that translates on the other side as well. I think towards the end, they just started to get tired. Um, defensively, there was a lot of defensive lapses towards the end of the game in that fourth quarter. I mean, there was a wide-open look pass for Kevin Durant standing right underneath the basket, and it was just a simple miscommunication, and then they go down the floor, and then it's Iguodala who gets a right underneath. It's like you have to guard those kind of things from start to finish. Absolutely. They just started to run out of gas. I mean, Kevin, uh, LeBron James had to do so much on offense. He took the ball and he drove it every single time on offense to try to get them points. And, yeah, that's attributed to how good he is and how good he can be. But you can't be one person on a basketball team. And I know the Cleveland fans are probably bumming, you know, this morning. And But in hindsight, this Cleveland team's probably going to be back in the finals next year. And it's probably we could see it four straight years of Warriors versus Cavaliers. That very well can happen next Wait, season. The big thing is injuries. Like, you knock on wood. I would love well, to see it yes. again. Yes, knock on wood. I'd love but to see th- it those are the two powerful teams, you know. Right. Definitely, Cleveland's the super team of the East, and the uh, Warriors are the super team of the West. And until the rest of the league starts to catch up, yeah, I think the the NBA offseason is going to be an interesting one. I think we'll we'll, we'll see. I mean, you got a, a whole bunch of moving parts that are going to happen. Uh, Chris Paul is one of them. I don't think he's going to go to Cleveland by any means, but. Because uh, because they have a Kyrie Irving, but they also need that firepower. But that that well, be first up will be the draft. The first up will be the draft, and and that'll kind of dictate you know where some moving and shaking if there are some big stars are going to move around. But did, did you hear about you know when the Lonzo Ball worked out with the Lakers? Yeah, I heard it wasn't that <laughs> yeah, good of a workout. No, he, they said he was out of shape. That's what unnamed sources you know who knows if that's true, and they just said he was okay. But if you're the Lakers, you already have a point guard. I think you, you actually have two. But what they want, they want. The, I, but I, both those guys could play off ball. Right. And I kind of I said it I said it that they would draft Lonzo Ball, but after thinking about it more and more, and after hearing things, I think that they're going to draft Josh Jackson. Simple as that. I mean, and play him at the possibly. Two, I think or possibly. De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron I mean, there's Fox. I don't know if that I I will see. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But I think if you're the they Lakers, could trade the pick, they could trade, they could down, trade down and down. get more picks. You know, That's there's so many thing. options for them. You know, and. We'll probably touch on that next week. Oh, yeah. But But we got so many champions to talk about. There's another championship game that happened Sunday night. Another exciting, thrilling game six. The Pittsburgh Penguins took down the Nashville Predators in Nashville. Only the second home loss for Nashville in the postseason. And uh, they did it in style. I mean, a a nice, hard-fought championship one 2-0, Two zero, but really the one goal pretty much ended it with a minute and a half to go. Yeah. Oh yeah, what and a crazy game though! But I was just intensity. It was so exciting. I mean, I couldn't leave the TV. My eyes were just glued. The action, the hitting, the it was great. I the mean, the crisp passing. You talk about moving the moving the ball, boy. I tell you, Pittsburgh puck. really moves that puck around. Yeah, I uh, mean they're just really really good. You, you, did you notice that during this whole series? Just like man, Pittsburgh. They're just they're just. That, that's city. <laughs> they, they, they have an That's office. a city of champions, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, when it comes to football and these hard, hard-nosed sports like football and hockey, they're just that's a tough city to be. They just have an unbelievable offense. It, it kind of you, you can compensate with a great goaltender, which I mean, Miller, or is it not Miller? Dang. Matt Murray. Matt Murray. I, I know was thinking of Ryan Miller <laughs> for whatever reason, but yeah, Matt is an unbelievable goaltender. And, you know, the the Nashville Predators were really riding Pecorine. 
uh, in his hot hand during the entire postseason. Not to say that their defense is bad by any means, but they, they had, I think it was just so many shots to the corners. I, I don't want to give a stat where I'm wrong, but the, the shots to the corners were unbelievable by the Pittsburgh Penguins. It just shows you how good they are on offense. They have such a scoring juggernaut. I mean, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. Sid Phil the Kessel, kid. Yeah, Nick Benino, uh, Chris Kunitz. It's just they have so many different options that could score, and their passing is unbelievable. And I'm sure that was their game plan, too. It's like, hey, we're going to attack the corners. I mean, the Ducks tried you know, really hard to attack the corners, and it just shows you the Ducks are not that far off. They're not that far off, no. I think yeah, they got to keep their heads up. The Predators just were kind of playing with house money, to be honest. They they barely they escaped in. They just scraped their way in, and you know they came in and they played together, and and that's an unbelievable job. And they have they have a very bright future. They got some young people that are oh are yes very very good, and and that is a great hockey town, man. But you know if you look at Pittsburgh, they're just they're just. You know, they're the New England Patriots of the yeah, NHL. They're the king of the hill. I mean, you, you think about it, since Sidney Crosby's been on the team, he's won three out of four Stanley Cups. That's impressive, yeah, especially in hockey. And on top of that, Pittsburgh became the first team to win back-to-back titles in, this, in the salary cap era, which, you know, it's been 20 years since any team that's repeated in hockey, and I think it was the Red Wings that did it last. Just shows um, you how dominant they are. Yeah. And they just find the right pieces. I mean, the guy that scored the goal in the one nothing game, or the one nothing goal, I should say, um, was a guy that used to play for the Predators in and, Hornquist. And the crazy thing is they lost their top defenseman, you know, earlier in the year. Yeah. And uh, you, you would think, oh, that probably would hurt their chances because he was a big contributor in last year's Stanley Cup final. But just like the Patriots is a next man up kind of situation, and they have just such a great, like their general manager is an unbelievable job. Um, but... It'll be interesting to see, you know, how this NHL season goes next year and off season wise, and we'll definitely talk about that. But at the same time, you know, we got to talk a little bit about the tennis open, Rafa Nadal, the king of clay. Oh, the French Open. Well, I mean, from the last time we talked, you know, the the match that was coming up was Dominic Team versus Novak Djokovic, and uh, Joker he was uh, struggling, and uh, Team took him down. You know, and you think about the path, and it just shows you how hard it is. Like when you're having to face the top four guys. So when Team took out Djokovic, now he's got to face Nadal, and Nadal just took him down. It just you know, like you said, the king of the clay, he took him down, and then you know Nadal going up against Stan the Man Wawrinka because Wawrinka took down Andy Murray, and uh, wow, and then. Rafael Nadal, he just blew out Wawrinka. He just wanted it. And, you know, Wawrinka won it a couple years ago in the French Open. You know, Stan the man, I mean, he's been solid. He's always right up there. But this is Rafael won the record. This is a record. Tenth French Open. No one's won more French Opens than Rafael Nadal. And you think about it, on his shoes, he has uh, he had a 9 and a 12 on his shoes. 12 Grand Slam titles, 9 French Opens. Now he's going to have a new pair coming out, I'm sure. We'll say 10 and yeah. 13. <laughs> yeah. He's just, he's just amazing. The way the way he just owns the clay. Yeah. And the clay season comes to a close and he, every clay match that he was in, so he's it was in four tournaments and he won all four. 
That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and, and this year, again, he keeps his streak alive. He's made it to the final match every tournament he's played, so I'm sure he's going to bump up in the rankings. So in Spain, they have more clay course, correct? Correct. Okay, so yeah, they, that's so how they Clay season pretty play. much has come to a close. Uh, the French Open always is like the big El Grande. You know, this, yeah. is, this is it. But when you you grow up playing on those kind of surfaces, you have an advantage for sure. Um, And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Wimbledon goes. I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah, now the speed. It's just like, you know, after you play on that slow clay, now the speed just amps up. And it'll be different because Federer's going to be in it. Yep. And that's that's, he owns Wimbledon, whereas Mm -hmm. Rafael Nadal owns clay. So it just makes it exciting because you just never know who's going to win. Obviously, you know, the big four, they're going to be in there somewhere. When I say the big four, you know, Federer, Djokovic, Murray, and uh, Nadal. Not in that order, but, you know, the, the order that came to my mind. <laughs> yeah. But, no. And uh, we also talk about the women's because uh, Simona Halep, I mean, she had a heck of a ride and really came back. And uh, But she just came up short against Ostapenko. Ostapenko wasn't even ranked. And she won her first French Open, her first major, her first wow. title. And wow. that's pretty impressive for her, you know, because, I mean, dropping the first set to Halep and then winning the next two. And she was, like, also the first woman to actually – she had lost five set matches and still wins the French Open. That's and no one's ever done that. Yeah, that's that's, that's hard impressive. to – so basically she's just – it's like an NBA team going best of seven every round, but winning, you know, best out of seven, oh, four yeah. out of – you know, same, same type deal. But what an amazing – and she's only 20 years old, too. Wow. So, future's bright for them. Absolutely. You know, at the same time, future right now is in the Angels. You know, we got to talk a little bit about the Angels. Major baseball, League Baseball, yes, because now we're going to be talking a lot of baseball this summer. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You know, I mean, but it's exciting. You know, congrats to the Warriors. Congrats to the Penguins and the Nashville Predators. Keep your heads up, as well as the Cavalier fans. Yeah, there can only you're all be gonna one be back champion. in it next year. There can only be one champion. But, you got to celebrate the season you have. So what's up with the Angels? Talk uh, to me. The what? Angels right now are 33-34. and 34. They just went one game below 500. But Cole Calhoun has been unbelievable in this, you know, the two-week span since Trout's been hurt. And... You know he's been he's they have been struggling. I mean, it, you lose your best player, you always are going to struggle. But the one thing that um, we did not touch on Tuesday was Pujols hitting 600 home runs. Yes, we did not talk yes. about that, and that is you know that was very disappointing. And it it kind of shows you know if you're a guy that comes to a different team and you know breaks a record. Not you know you get to a certain point in your career where you're not the main guy. I mean it's not as it's not a, as big of a feat for you like for the fans that are involved. I mean I looked at the stadium when he hit the 600th home run and it, I, there were seats that were available, and obviously it, it was uh, I think it was on Sunday right he hit it on Sunday. But like that, that's a huge, that's a historic thing. Six hundred home he, runs. He's an amazing player. Yeah, he joins the club. There's not that many people in the six hundred club, and he says he wants to be the home run king. And I kind of hope he does well, it. Uh, he's got that's at least three seasons away for him. Three to four three seasons, to four. you know. But he could even be DH because he's already in American League. He's already, you know, he's still he a great defensive yeah. first baseman. He can, he keeps himself in really good shape. I mean, you know, St. Louis when they let him go, they thought, okay, he's getting towards the end of his career. They didn't realize. The second 
career started yeah. with the Anaheim Angels. And it's it's one that includes, you know, not as good of a uh, like batting average because he he doesn't have the speed that he used to have. Right. And but it does include the still the home run hitting power and the RBI driving in power, which is kind of what the, you know the Angels need. They are such a great offensive team. But on the other hand, you you know you have your best pitcher get injured in Garrett Richards, and that, that's always tough to overcome. So. Uh, you know, in terms of baseball, it's, it's kind of going how that Houston Astros want it to go. <laughs> like, you look at the top, you know, the top teams. They built the their team through the draft, as did the Chicago Cubs. I mean, you look at the top teams in the MLB, the top T3 the top three teams in the MLB are the Astros, the Astros, and the Astros. This right now, there's no one that can touch them. I mean, they have such a great team, and they've been run, winning at an unbelievable pace. They have the best record in the MLB. It's it's really tough to say, like, you know, that there's a emerging second team. I mean, you can look at the Washington Nationals, but right now they have problems in the bullpen. Right. In, in, in the entirety of their roster, the Houston Astros are just unbelievable. And you think about how that what the Astros are doing, and and where my Reds are, which they had a really good pick yesterday in the draft. They drafted the top prospect, Hunter Green, uh, the high school phenom pitcher. The Reds need all the pitching help they can get. Their offense has been amazing this year. And speaking of which, last Tuesday, Scooter Jennett hit four home runs in a game, became the 17th MLB player to do so. And the first Red ever in Reds history. And Reds been in existence since 1869. So, that's an incredible feat, and he's just a utility player. The Reds picked up from the Brewers at the beginning of the year, so congrats to him. I mean, four home runs and 10 RBIs going five for five. What an amazing day. Um, but getting back, that's what getting, the Reds are doing. They're building through the draft. They just need that pitching help. Right and, now. you know, they're probably a couple years out before they can start getting back into playoff contention. Well, we, we can't – if we're going to talk about the draft, we have to, you know – mentioned Keston Urea or yes. UCI baseball. Yes. Oh, he's an unbelievable baseball player. He's been called the purest hitter in the draft. And obviously, you know. Who, who, where did he go? He went number uh, eight. Or no, 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 nine to nine. the Brewer. Sorry. Milwaukee Brewer. The, the Brew Crew. Five, the Brew Crew. And, yeah. And, you know, they need us. I mean, their second baseman is pretty good. They got some pretty good outfielders. But it's definitely room for him to grow. That's for sure. But I want to give a special shout-out to, you know, Royce Lewis, Jay Sarah, just down the road here in Orange County. First overall pick to the Twins. So congratulations Yes, congrats. Him. Much love to my grandmas. Indeed. We appreciate uh, you both. You know, and thank you to my kindergarten teacher for letting me bring in the sports section of the newspaper. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, Mrs. Jacobs, wherever you are. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, this is Sports Matters. You can catch us on SoundCloud. I'll have the podcast up there tomorrow. Uh, you can catch us. It's Sports Matters Radio Host on SoundCloud. And you can also blog with us at blog.sportsmattersradio.com. Again, that's blog.sportsmattersradio.com. Coming up next, you got Kenny Jones with news and views and you know he's got a great show so until then enjoy your drive and we'll be right back with you next tuesday at 8 a.m be kind to one another Music, we get free.